2: I got home last night and I had a package on my doorstep and it was from Green Chef, who are my sponsors for this series. I was absolutely blown away with what was inside. Not only did they have the step-by-step recipe cards in there, but they had all the ingredients and as fresh as you can get them. Last night, I cooked the duck in balsamic glaze, which I'd never tried before. These pre-portioned ingredients allowed me to try this new flavor, completely risk-free, And I was able to eat the exact right amount of these ingredients. Not only that, but they had tender stem broccoli. How many other food boxes send tender stem broccoli? It was unbelievably delicious and I can't recommend it enough. Their high quality, fresh seasonal ingredients just blew me away. And it's allowed me to eat consistently and have a routine whilst eating healthily. So get 40% off your first box and 20% off your next three boxes with the code GREENSTRONG. That's GREENSTRONG for 40% off your first box and 20% off your next three boxes. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Headstrong. We're currently in season seven of the podcast and we're well underway. My name is Louis Strong, and I talk to a variety of guests in the public eye about their lives and their careers. I want to talk to them to understand a greater depth of the word headstrong and what that word uniquely means to them. But to me, it means to believe in yourself to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth. Joining me on this episode of Headstrong is actor Martins Imhangbi. I spoke to Martins just before the release of Bridgeton's season two, which is highly anticipated. I talked to Martins about his experiences in the acting industry and what rejection is like as an actor, which I'm all too familiar with. So I really hope you find this episode inspiring and engaging. Martins, thank you very, very much for joining me on Headstrong. How are we doing? I'm good. I'm
1: really, really good.
2: Fantastic. Look, we've got a great deal to talk about. Um, More from my end, probably. Um, Uh Not least of all, the world of theatre, Shakespeare. Mm Actually, I want to talk about Bridgerton and season two and where things are going. But I want to go through things chronologically with you, right. uh, if mm-hmm. that's okay. Yeah. So I want to start at the very, very beginning, which is, of course, in Nigeria, which is yeah. then followed by Greece for five years, and then followed to moving to the UK. Yeah. What was that experience like? Moving at such a young age to various places. What did it that feel like as an individual to you and a sense uh-huh. of belonging?
1: Uh, I guess I didn't really know any different. You know, um, at the time you just go along with the flow, your parents say, you know, we're going here and then you just go. So I think it was only until I got here um, to the UK in, uh, yeah. And I realised that, you know, my accent was different and, you know, the kids made, uh, uh, made that very clear. You know, I sounded, I had a mix between sounding... A bit of Greek and uh, a bit of Pidgin, you know, Nigerian. Um, so it was it was a whole mix. So I had, um, yeah, I had to overcome that in school.
2: So an important question to you then was what? I suppose it's kind of two sides to it. What does the word identity mean to you? What does it stand for? Because I know how important heritage is to you, and what uh, being a part of a culture is to you. But what does the word identity mean?
1: Identity means to me what you identify with, you know, what you connect with as an individual, what resonates with you. Um, I don't think it's necessarily where you were born or, you know, your your family. I think it's what you sort of connect with as an individual. Um so it's quite a unique thing. So I don't think you can, I don't think anyone can label that on you. I think it's whatever you sort of go, okay, this is. This is who I am. This is who I want to be.
2: So it's part of identity uh, value.
1: Yeah, because you, I think you place value in it. I think so. Whatever you kind of value, love, care, you know, you 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 resonate with, and it becomes part of you.
2: So in that childhood, then that you experienced, and all that you ever knew, what were the key values? that you were brought up on because I know that you were brought up in mm. uh, with the church and yeah. that was very important. So what, what were the key values of that and for you and maybe some of the things that have stuck with you through that?
1: Yes. Uh, kindness. I think it was very important to be kind growing up and smile and be, be friendly and um, yeah, be, but my parents are very open in terms of they're very, hospitable, they they take people in and look after them. And we've had a lot of family members and friends who have passed through and stayed in our houses. And so there's always a sense of um yeah, being open and taking care of others and just share kindness, you know?
2: Yeah, is that and that that extends not to just family and friends to anybody.
1: Yeah. Just anyone, just like you know, in the Bible, it says treat others how you'd like to be treated. So I think that really resonated with us as a family. Like even though we, we at the time, my parents faced um, a lot of prejudice and racism, there was still a sense of, well, we're going to treat you still how we would like to be treated. So we're not, we're not going to retaliate with how...
2: <laughs> Sorry about that.
1: <laughs> that's all right. <clears throat> Yeah, we're not going to sort of fight fire with fire, but we're just going to sort of create the world that we want to exist in.
2: Yeah, for sure. So um, school then is a natural time for exploration and finding your own mm. identity, something that we we kind of touched on. And you talked about the fact that you got mocked at school for the way that you spoke. Is that from that very young age uh, then um, that you you experienced that kind of... Animosity from even children of that that young an age
1: because yeah kids are mean six
2: or seven (laughs)
1: yeah 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 I was about uh, seven but but yeah kids are um, kids are mean man but I say I say that with a light with a lightness to that as well like kids we're all trying to figure out who we are and you know where we stand in relation to others so I guess if something sounds unfamiliar there's a response to that, you know? So I guess that's just part of learning, isn't it? It's part of growing up and learning and identity, figuring out who you want to be in life. So, yeah, I guess, I yeah, I guess as a child, you, you when you, when someone's like mocking you or like, <laughs> you, don't, you know, it's hard to know how to respond to that or how to sort of navigate through that, you know?
2: How did you respond to
1: it? Well, um, I'll tell you one story. I remember I was in, um, I think it was the first school I went to and um, this, there was, a, there was a, a, a girl in the class who sort of made fun of my accent. I think she she brought it to the attention of the whole class and everyone laughed and I just remember seeing a, a scissors. I remember it was like a very specific it was like um, the green and yellow scissors I think it was for the people who understand and I remember taking that and just cutting off a bit of her hair and I just snipped a bit of her hair and like she was in tears I got in trouble for it but I guess like yeah it was just like a retaliation to just just do that but um yeah
2: standing up for yourself (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 I get that I get that um well, how did you feel and in terms of finding yourself at school when did you kind of go okay now I'm I feel I know where my tribe is my what where I'm a part of because school is a time for exploration trying to be a part mm. of this kind of group that kind of group when did you feel settled in what you knew you felt you stood for
1: um It constantly changes. It constantly evolves. I I still don't feel like I know exactly. You know, like I feel like I have I have a response to things and I and I respond to things um, based on emotion and based on you know the moment. But like I think I think for me to answer your question, I think it's an ongoing venture. I think like the way the world is constantly shifting, and I feel like I'm constantly learning about the world I'm in and who I am and, and that's constantly shifting. So I guess it's important to, you know, be like water. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, be like water, adapt and yeah. Don't feel like you know it all. Cause sometimes you feel like, you know, everything or, you know, what you know, and you know, and you figure out that you don't, <laughs> you don't really know anything. We, we, we don't really know anything you know we're constantly learning so i think being an op- being open to that is very important for me
2: i always think i like to think of life being the experience uh, and using the pra- past experiences as the learning um which yeah. i think is really important with school then you your first can you remember the first piece of theatre you went to see
1: mm. That I went to see or that I was a part of? The
2: one that you went to see? Because where where did that love start? Where did that kind of passion for theatre start and derive from?
1: I think think it started when I... Do you know what? It started in television. Acting for me started watching films and watching TV and movies. That's where it started. In terms of theatre, I think the first thing that I can remember seeing... I must have seen other stuff, but that very—that it was "Brother Size, the "Brother Size um, by Terrell Alvin McCroney, and that was at the Young Vic Theatre. So I remember seeing that and seeing um, three black men on stage and just like just expressing love, expressing um, pain, and and just a mixture of emotions, and and it wasn't just like it wasn't stereotypical, it wasn't. Um, so yeah, it, it, was, it was born out of love and I think that sort of resonated with me a
2: lot. Well, it's a great theatre known for bringing some great pieces of work, um, of course. So what was it about theatre then, or what is it about theatre that makes you want to pursue that experience in the, the kind of live phenomenon of, of the art, if that makes sense? So what is it about um, theatre? So, you know, when, I, when I'm on stage, I enjoy that continuous buzz night after night of somebody else watching it for the first time. So what is it for you yeah. you enjoy about it?
1: Uh, I, I like the audience interaction. I, I love knowing that the audience are experiencing it for the first time. Um, I like the idea that it's going to be different every night, even though it's rehearsed, it's, it's still, there's, you know, it's slightly different, um, and I, I love the idea of collaborating. I love a group of people coming together to to tell a story and to but, but to to have each other's back. you know on on stage you, when it's really worked for me, it's when I felt like the 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 cast and the the crew they've all, we've all had each other's back um, despite what may happen. you know someone might forget a line or some you know the light might go out but there's a sense of like um, unity, you know, there's a sense of like, okay, we're in this together in order to to tell the story. I think yeah, it's beautiful.
2: Sure. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Yeah, that that real sense of community and family with a, a cast is really important on stage, mm. isn't it?
1: Absolutely. absolutely. So talk
2: to me about drama school then, because, mm. you know, I'm not, I'm genuinely not being rude, in the sense that you, when you left school, you didn't have the best grades in the world.
1: Yeah, I didn't,
2: no. So, <laughs> you were left in a kind of a situation, a predicament where you went, you know what though, I'm going to fulfil this and I'm going to follow this through, and you auditioned yeah. for drama school, but it didn't go well first time around, did it? N- no, it didn't, it didn't. Can you, tell me, can you tell me about that experience? What happened that first time?
1: Um, the, the, what, the first time I didn't get into drama school. Hmm. Yeah, um, I think the whole the, the whole concept of drama school is very new to me. I only knew about university, so i i didn't I didn't really know what I was getting into. But I knew that i I didn't want to do written work. <laughs> I felt like I was more practical. I didn't. I wasn't. You know, I didn't want to be writing essays. But even at drama school, you still have to write essays, and you know, it's still very academic. Um, So, it didn't really hit me that hard because I didn't know what I was sort of getting myself into. But I had a teacher called Lisa Stubbs who suggested that I, I, in the interim, instead of me like going to get like a a, a job, um, she recommended that I do technical theater. So, I got into technical theater and that really solidified my love because I, I learned about everything i learned about behind the scenes i learned about how you know a set is constructed i learned about the lights i learned about everything so my appreciation for theater was was very deep rooted uh, as a result of that so going now reapplying for drama schools it just gave me another I don't know another lift because I was like okay now i I, I get it, and there's a new appreciation for the craft as a whole, so I was in a i don't know I felt like I was in a more equipped um place to be able to go, okay cool i'm I'm going for it um, yeah.
2: yeah i mean you you completely took the words that I was gonna I was going to say, on top of that, it's the craft that goes into the theatre. Yeah. You don't think about the lighting technician that's moving the lanterns. You're not yeah, about yeah. the guy that's building the set behind because all you're seeing is the actors on stage. But yeah, exactly. I, I, I remember when I, I did exactly the same as you, learning all about the, the technical side of it. And, it. and it gives you a whole new appreciation of theatre and, and stagecraft in itself.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
2: So is it fair to say then that you tackled that Initial rejection with seizing further opportunity, then to further your development and education of the trade that you wanted to be in.
1: Yeah, 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 absolutely. Um, yeah, just continuing, continuous learning, and and um, yeah, I guess, I guess that's always been sort of my thing. i have just always been sort of trying to go with the go with the tide kind of thing, and just instead of just sitting down and going, oh, c'est la vie. I felt it was important for me just to keep keep moving.
2: So I have a question for you. Uh, as an actor, I'm yeah. very familiar with rejection and that's part of the job. Uh, what's your experience with rejection? How do you cope with it and deal with it, perhaps differently from the start of your career to now? How have you matured into that? And how, how do you tackle it?
1: Oh, man, it's... it's uh... <sighs> It's been a a, a, a what's it a roller coaster kind of thing because I I'm still I'm still sort of tackling it and dealing with it and I guess I have to remember that I do you know what it is? It's, it's all about perspective and I'm learning a lot about perspective in life and it depends on how you want to look at things you know and what you you decide to focus on. And these are things I tell myself and I just say, you, you know, auditions are a, an invitation. They're an invitation to collaborate and it's figuring out whether that collaboration will work out. It's it's easy to, to take it as a personal thing when you don't get the job or when you, someone says that, okay, this isn't going to work. So you go away and you go, oh, because I'm I'm crap on, you know, I didn't work hard enough or I didn't. So you beat yourself up. Whereas it just means that the dynamic just didn't work. It's just just not this project, you know? So I guess it's how you decide to look at it. And sometimes I get attached to things, get attached to projects, and I would love to do it. And I think that's a good thing because it means that I know what I like or I know what I appreciate. And if I don't get it, I'm happy that it's being made. I'm happy that someone is doing it. And and I think for me, that's important like to, to sort of crush that ego thing of like, oh, it should be me. Cause sometimes we're not, we sometimes deep down, we know that someone else might be better suited for the role or, you know, as much as we'd like to do it, but sometimes we have to be sort of, we just have to shift the perspective and go, it's not to do, it's not always to do with us. It's to do with the dynamic and whether it works and, I suppose
2: that. that's also just a general really, really good uh, perspective on life itself because we're so um, self-centred in a way because you know, we only know our own mind. We're so uh, inward looking and we think that ultimately when you're walking down the street you think everyone's looking at you when actually they're probably yeah. thinking exactly the same. Yeah, And you're absolutely yeah, yeah, right absolutely. when it comes to auditions and theatre and film, TV, whatever. There probably is someone better than you. It's whether the person who's casting it or the director, the producer thinks you're the one who's right for the role. And I, mm. you know, it's whether you look right. Everyone who's going up for the audition can most definitely act. Let's be honest. Right. Um, right. So it's whether you fit for it. And actually that's a really good perspective in the sense that, you know what, if you do care about it, at least it is still being made. And that's something mm. that I can then experience. Yeah. Uh, that's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. It. Feel it. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Um, so you've done a, a number of theatre shows, uh, and in a number of countries as well, I might add, yeah. which is quite cool. What has been your favourite theatrical experience to be a part of to date? Oh, wow. That, I know that's a horrible question. Wow, that
1: is a very horrible question.
2: Like,
1: oh, <laughs> uh, my God.
2: Or, um, but, or maybe then a particular moment where you went, or, and I'm sure this happens a lot, a particular moment where you went, this is why I do theatre. If there's anything that can stand out to you in all these productions yeah. and all the, the nights that you've done shows and the audiences that you've done it to.
1: I think I'd have to say Lion Boy. I did Lion Boy with Complicite and that was like, I think that was my second job out of drama school. And um, I remember getting the role and thinking, whoa, <laughs> I just landed like a, 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 a huge role. Um, I'm working with Complicite and playing the lead. and it. it it felt quite overwhelming when I first got the role, and, and again, it's perspective. So I had to shift that perspective of like that um, imposter syndrome mm. feeling, whether or not it, you know that if I'm capable of doing it. And I just had to sort of just dive in, just deep end, just dive in straight into the deep end and see what happened. And um, one of the most memorable experiences was I think it was the second preview or the first preview where it the performance, I don't know, the show clicked in place. There's that beautiful moment where it just falls in like All the rehearsals that you've been doing, all the doubts and everything, and it just clicks in place. And um, I just remember having, like, a very emotional moment. And it was an emotional part of the show, but I think it was accumulation of everything else. And it felt like an arrival. It felt like a, a big moment in my life, and I just sort of, like... <laughs> remember, it's uh, just surrendered to that moment. And um, yeah, I'll never forget it. I'll never forget that moment. It was on a tricycle, it was at a tricycle theater. Yeah.
2: That's, that's really, really cool. And I suppose in a similar breath then, there must be nights where perhaps an audience just doesn't click or there's an energy that's lacking or something. How do you, you personally, what's your strategy for when you come off that stage and it maybe hasn't as gone as well as you'd like it to, to have gone from maybe from a personal perspective, from a company mm. perspective, or the audience just didn't feel right. What's your strategy to bounce back for the next night? How do you cope with it?
1: I do. I, uh, I just overthink, man. I get it to, I get into my head and I just overthink so much, and um, it's not good. It's not good because I. I because you will never know. You will never actually know the answer. And I think that's one thing I got. I have to remind myself that I will never know the exact answer as to why it didn't, it didn't click, you know. Um, yeah, I, but I, I, you know, go to the bar, you have a drink, you catch up with mates, you try to pick their brains, you know. You know, what was it tonight? Did you guys enjoy it? <laughs> you know? um, but yeah, you just, I think... Yeah, yeah, you'll never know. I just feel like you'll
2: never know. So yeah, for yeah, sure.
1: it's one
2: so, of those things. So. Yeah. While we're on it, then, so what's your? You, you mentioned going to the bar, whatever, and stuff. Mm. Do, you, is, do you do anything yourself to kind of maintain your own well-being as well? Because of, you talk about perspective. How do you maintain yeah. that perspective?
1: I I try to get early night, but it never works. I try to talk to friends and family but it doesn't really work. I think what what helps as well is if I'm if I am for example like working at the young vic I was able to like walk home. So it was nice to, to to walk home or or walk until I get get a bus or just go for a walk. I think it's quite a nice way for me to like
2: decompress. Yeah, I like that a lot. Mm-hmm yeah yeah, yeah. I, so, I, well, taking so, a walk and then your own thoughts having a think about it yeah i like that yeah
1: but just by yourself because sometimes it can be overwhelming if you're with other people and mm. um managing those energies but like if i can find a moment for myself at the end of the night or after the show i think it's quite nice
2: so kind of like a moment of self-reflection and only yeah. on yourself yeah yeah, yeah yeah i like that a lot yeah now, something that I want to touch on very briefly is: I know that you're a, a man who loves Shakespeare, or at least mm-hmm. is, is well versed in it as well. Yeah. I, I've I've ex- I've been working with children a lot recently, uh, and mm. a, a question that's often thrown around is: Why do we still study sp- Shakespeare, and what's the relevance and importance of it now? And I know that perhaps with a lot of kids, you know, these uh, m- the millennial children that sh- I'll go with. Mm. Um, they have this kind of attitude towards it. What would be your personal response to that and the kind of importance of Shakespeare if you think there'd be such a relevance?
1: I think I think the themes are timeless. The themes are still relevant to today. You know, betrayal, love, um, all that stuff. I think it's still very current. You know, I think the barrier is the language. The barrier is just the, the, the verse and understanding it. Um, and I think once we get over that, I feel like it's accessible to to everyone. I think anyone can find something like can find themselves in a Shakespeare play. You know, whether it's Roman Juliet, whether it's Macbeth, or you know, we we know these people. Uh, I remember seeing a production in South Korea, and i didn't there was no subtitles I didn't know what was being said, but i felt i i i I knew those characters I knew those relationships those moments you know whether it's someone meeting someone for the first time and you know negotiating their friendship i I understood that so i think once we get over the barrier of the the language and um i think it, i think it's yeah it's accessible to everyone because it's hard because some, there's a form to it. And I think that's what that's what I struggled with at drama school because the, it felt very um, stiff, it felt very um,
2: methodical. Uh,
1: yeah, you know, like you had to stick to this verse, and if you if you're out of the verse, then it, you know it all falls apart. And I, and I feel like these are things that, as much as people want to pay homage and be respectful, but I feel like it doesn't determine whether the audience resonate with it or not because half the audience don't know what verse is (laughs) you know they don't know about the dumb the dumb the dumb they just they just go in there to see organic relationships and moments and you know
2: go on then put it to you what's your favorite shakespeare show
1: my favorite shakespeare show probably uh (sighs) this is a hard one it's either hamlet or othello
2: oh yeah do you know what i remember seeing othello at the national theater with adrian lester did you see that
1: yeah yeah um, i saw that yeah yeah yeah
2: awesome and who else was it rory Kinnear. oh
1: that was, great. Kinnear. Mm, that was a good show. brilliant brilliant show
2: yeah uh yeah good choices i think I, i'd probably go with a midsummer night's dream uh yeah just because it's I, li- I like a bit of chaos Right. Yeah. Um, now, I, I, like, I like
1: plays that you can never actually figure out. Do you know what I mean? I feel like no matter how many times you do a Hamlet or Othello, you never yeah. really nail it.
2: Well, the good thing, well, those two show, they can still remain very ambiguous uh, and yeah. open to interpretation, which is, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm. Um, that's really good. I like that. Yeah. Now, I, I obviously can't conduct this podcast episode without talking about. A tiny little netflix show that happened <laughs> um, um so let's let's talk about your experience with bridgerton but yeah. not just as an actor but as kind of as a as a human because this was a big opportunity for you as an individual uh what yeah. was that transition like first of all from theater to screen as an actor mm. first of all so what was that experience like how did you have to change your game
1: <laughs> uh, I didn't have to change my game uh, I sort of just done it I, I, when I say just done it I felt like I, I tried not to I tried not to think about it too much I felt like the moment I started to think about it it became overwhelming so I had to sort of just focus on okay what am I here to do you know, who's my who? Who am I playing? What's this character? So I just I just done a lot of research. I got the books on um, Bill Richmond, who my character is based on, and I just learned about him. Um, and the character has been on a journey because initially he was meant to be um, American, and when I auditioned, it was an um, American accent. So there was this whole journey of discovering who Will Mondrich in Bridgerton is going to be mm. um so i just focused on 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 that and understanding that for myself in order for me to be able to go okay uh, here i am because if i started to think about okay screen and dessert, i feel like it would have just consumed me a bit you know and i wouldn't have been as relaxed
2: i i get i get that the kind of what overwhelming nature of the what what it what it was, I guess.
1: Yeah, what it was like knowing that I'm working with Shondaland, knowing that I'm uh, it's Netflix, and knowing that it's a uh, it's a role that's developing into something. You know, I felt like the moment I started to go, do that whole imposter syndrome thing, it just becomes chaotic. I just can't think, <laughs> so yeah. I have to sort of just layer it, just do bit by bit, just you know, get the scripts, read them, understand them, um, and just take my time. You know.
2: So, when you got that through, because it was a self tape, mm. wasn't
1: it? Yeah, it was a self tape, yeah.
2: And you, so you did the self tape and you did it in an American yeah. accent, did you?
1: Did it in an American accent. Yeah. So you got
2: cast as the, an American boxer first off then. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's
1: yeah. And the, <laughs> yeah, as an American boxer because um, Bill Richmond was American. Yeah. Um, but the thing is that um, at the time, that the, the American accent is not what, what it is today. Mm. You know, because of the whole slave trade and everything. So the would come from he, his accent would have had various twangs to it. Um so uh, yeah. And also it would have had to go there would have had to be a lot of, you know, backstory as to how he came to be in London. And you just felt like there was a lot of stuff to unpick with that.
2: I mean, there's so much I can talk about with the role and the rich. Um kind of the history of what the role stands for as you talk yeah. about doing your research on the actual individual that existed that influenced yeah. the character in the show but talking about kind of kind of you and yourself how, how did you prep for it like physically as well because that's demanding mm-hmm. in, in itself isn't
1: it yeah i've always i've always like wanted to you know, get a personal trainer for a role and get in shape and all that stuff. So, um, so when it came about, I was like, okay, I'll do, I'm playing a boxer. So therefore, surely that I'll be able to have access to a personal trainer. So I asked my agent and uh, they got in touch with Netflix. Netflix was like, of course. And they, they, they um, sourced me a few personal trainers in my area, which was great. So I had a meeting with a guy called Kung Hua at Commando Temple and um it just it just seemed like a, a a nice fit, so decided to go with him and then we we began training for the role and specialized in boxing, calisthenics and uh so over the it's funny because over the I was training over the course of filming, yeah, so my body and everything was changing as I was filming the episodes. So how I was in episode eight would be different to how I was in episode, I think my first appearance episode two, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, so I find that sort of that journey interesting because usually some some actors will train prior to, to day one of filming. Yeah. Whereas mine was a little bit prior, but during as well.
2: Can you remember your first day on set? Yes, yes, which,
1: yes, yes. Can you very remember very which good. scene it was? Yeah, and it was the dual scene. So it was me, Reggae, um, John, Johnny Bailey, Luke Thompson, and um, Luke Newton, and Phoebe. There's quite a few people there, actually. But um, we it was um, <laughs> the duel scene. I don't even remember the duel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it was that scene, um, which is nice because I didn't have any lines in that. So it was nice to be able to be on set, no pressure just to see what it's like and just
2: you know D- dip so your toe in the water nice. shall we say yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so, yeah, so when, when nice. you first had um I, I don't know how far through filming it was but when you first had the one-on-one scene in the boxing ring for, for example yeah. what was that experience mm-hmm. like with the leading man of the show
1: yeah, how, yeah, how
2: yeah. Did, who broke the ice how how'd that go
1: um well reggae is a lovely man so he sort of introduced himself and and um we have a lot of mutual friends so we just vibed we completely just clicked and vibed and um and it was nice because there was no there was no ego there was no sort of if it felt like we presented to each other an open book so we were like okay here i am here you are let's make the best of this, you know, let's, let's like, let's collaborate. And, um, and that's all it was. We were, we were checking on each other and, you know, ask each other questions about scenes and ideas that we had. We would call each other up, texting, like it just felt very collaborative. So it was, um, it was nice. It didn't feel like there was um a rank or anything like that. You know, obviously there yeah. is on paper, but, <laughs> yeah, but yeah. on set, on set, it was just like, yeah, we're just friends.
2: Just bounce off each other as well, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's really, really cool. Now, yeah. so is it, so can I, would it be fair enough to say then maybe during Bridgerton season two filming, we could just organize like a fight between you two for the next James Bond? Ah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> that is such a funny conversation. I love, I love the, the whole James Bond yeah, I know. thing of like who's going to be and stuff. And then I know, literally. Yeah. Oh
2: <laughs> God. I know. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not even going to touch on it anymore. <laughs> so, yeah so is the, is be, the man, be great though. he would be awesome i know he would yeah be awesome. he'd, be awesome. he'd bring yeah, a yeah, it's, yeah. he'd bring a certain suaveness to the role which would be mm, most effortless as well
1: yeah i can see that happening
2: i can see it happening fingers crossed <laughs> maybe you know something yeah. that i don't
1: <laughs> maybe i do
2: <laughs> Yeah, <Maybe> i don't <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. um <laughs> Is the bromance is real off off screen then as well? So have you spoken to him recently?
1: Yeah, 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 um, yeah. We text, uh, but rarely. But we do sort of like there is the friendship is still is still there. You know, That's
2: strong. Yeah. That's
1: last cool. last time we were together, we were at the GQ Awards.
2: Oh yeah, nice. Uh, yeah. When is season two filming? Oh, it's already it's already wrapped. You've wrapped it already. Yeah, we've wrapped. We've wrapped. So Wait, so, when, when's um, what's release date then?
1: Uh, I can't say, I can't say, and and that's because I don't know.
2: (laughs) You don't know either. Um, Okay, but yeah, you you happy? Early next year, you're happy and pleased with how it went.
1: I am. I'm happy. I'm happy uh, about the direction. That's good. And and why and why I say that is because um, you get to see me in a new light. in an independent storyline which is nice you know well um, there
2: was opportunity for that when it finished in season 1 wasn't there and it could have yeah. it could it could have gone several ways i suppose um mm. that's good that you're pleased with it
1: <laughs> yeah i am and I, and i feel like it's sort of like uh, a long term thing as well like it's it's yeah you said slow burner, but like it feels feels nice
2: feels good it's got We'll put it this way, there may well be further room to grow into the character.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I the love longevity. That.
2: Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So looking further on from, from this tiny little show that Netflix produced, um yeah. what what other opportunities have come your way? Are you excited about the future? What can we look for in 2022 other than just this? Um,
1: I am. You know what? I've been doing quite a lot of varied work. So I've been doing a bit of radio, some voiceovers, I've been doing a few things on that front Um, in terms of other major projects I can't I can't really I can't speak on any of that but um, yeah but next year feels very exciting feels like
2: but doors have opened
1: absolutely I'd say
2: so yeah well that's that's incredibly exciting that's really really yeah 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 so thank you as we we get towards the the end of this I want to ask you a question I ask every guest that comes on What does the word headstrong mean to you?
1: Mm. Mm. Headstrong for me would be commitment, committing to an idea of something you have in your head, you know, and committing to it and believing in it and going for it,
2: really. Lovely. Martins, yeah, thank you commitment. so much for joining me. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, likewise. Uh, and have a lovely, lovely uh, rest of the festive period. Thank uh, you. And I wish you all the all, every success in 2022.
1: Yes, yes. You too, man. Thank you so much. Appreciate thank it.
2: Thank you. <laughs> thank you very much to Martins for joining me on this episode of Headstrong. It was great to sit down and talk about one of the biggest TV shows from last year and the hotly anticipated show of this year out soon though so i hope that you go and catch the show if you enjoyed the episode go share it with your friends share it with your family and indeed leave a rating and a review and subscribe so you can get all the episodes of headstrong that are coming until next week then where i have another guest to chat about their life and their career but notably what headstrong means to them